0: We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This is the PT
1: Pinecast.
0: All right, we are back. Welcome to the show and cheers. Welcome to PT Pinecast. We say great physical therapy conversations on tap. we are got a great show for you today. I like setting the record straight. I like when we do those types of episodes, setting the record straight episodes. And we're going to dig into some information that's been going around. I've seen it online where people get into these kind of discussions and it almost plays out like a bad game of telephone. Remember in third grade, you'd play telephone? All the giggles, right? And by the time it gets to the fourth or fifth person, it's, it's not the same message. I mean, you're not even using the same nouns anymore, right? So let's take that lesson from third grade and say, you know what, sometimes it's better to get really good information than get bad information and freak out and make a decision on bad information, that's even worse. I was taught that early in my radio career. Do not make a knee jerk reaction. Don't do that. So we're gonna set the record straight. We're talking about the status of that Medicare final rule. What changes are expected over the next year in that Medicare fee schedule and reimbursement? PTA is particularly interested in these, and I've seen some discussion in PTA Facebook groups and people will play almost this telephone game. Not good to do it. So let's get some good information from someone who needs to make sure he, because of his colleagues, knows this information so he can share well. So he's done some research. We're going to share some information. All right. So uh, before we get started, I want to say thanks to some of our friends keeping the show afloat. Uh, your CBD store. You can get the ABCs of CBD at cbdrx4u.com. That is your CBD store. Another thing you want to know something about, don't just listen to some stuff that people have said online. Know about it. How will over-the-counter CBD use affect your patient's course of treatment? Find out now from the people who actually study and do research on this. Again, cbdrx4u.com and physical therapy and balance centers uh, created by PTs, for PTs, especially in private practice. On average, a private practice who joins the physical network grows more than 40%. 40%, 40%, pretty good return. Uh, so if you're ready to discover how the largest network of PT private practice owners are growing and adapting to industry changes, visit physicalfranchise.com. That is physicalfranchise.com. All right, without further ado, let's kick off the show and let's let's get good information. <laughs> All right, let's kick this show off We're with the PT Pinecast. I'm physical therapist, Drew McKay. We like to say great physical therapy conversations on tap. And if you're watching my live stream, it quite literally says great physical therapy conversations uh, on tap. Find us on the socials at PT Pinecast, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, have that brand new Facebook group. A lot of good conversations going on in there. We even started our own book club. I mean, if you're going to do something, if Oprah has done it and still do it, book club. Yeah, Oprah knows which way it's going. So uh, jump on there as well uh, on Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. Subscribing to a podcast, still $0. But you want to make sure you don't miss an informative episode like the one we've got for you today. So let's bring in uh, our guest. Let's get him in the uh, the studio, Rick Douglas. Rick, welcome to
1: the program. Hey, Jimmy. Nice to meet you.
0: Uh, to Rick. Rick, excited to talk about this. I mentioned in the top of the show, I like to get good information. Uh, we don't want like we don't want to make life decisions based on like a a bad game of like third grade uh, telephone. But before we get to good information, the hardest questions are always first. Today, Rick, what are we drinking?
1: So I have uh, my favorite kind of go to uh, IPA, Cigar City Highlight.
0: Yeah. Oh, Cigar City because you're in Florida.
1: Yeah. So this is where Tampa you rub bird. it in.
0: This is where you rub it in and tell us like the temperature of Florida <laughs> currently as I record in upstate New York. What do you got down there in Florida?
1: It's uh, if it's if it's below seventy, I'd be surprised. It, it was a uh, beautiful day today.
0: We were we we got a little north of uh, twenty five today in upstate New York, so that was pretty fun. <laughs> uh, but I am right there with you at least with the beer. I'm doing the Florida special. I got okay. the Florida special lager. It's got the uh, it's got the old school Buccaneer logo on there.
1: Nice. Very nice.
0: I'm digging that. All right. So, cheers to you. Thanks to our friends at Owens Recovery Science. They're a single source for PTs looking for uh, certification and personalized blood flow restriction rehabilitation training and the equipment you need to apply it properly in your clinical practice. Find them online at owensrecoveryscience.com. Cheers to Rick and that's Cigar City. I'll do some of this Buccaneer. All right. So, mentioned at the top of the show, uh, it's really your job, your role to make sure your 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 colleagues have good information and know about things like this, Medicare fee for schedule, what's coming down the line. Um, talk about your role first. What do you get to do? Cause you work with physical therapy and balance centers. What is, what, where, where do you play on the field? What position do you play?
1: Yeah, so I'm the president of franchise operations for physical. And so as a PT myself, a former private practice owner and also a former franchisee with physical, I sold my clinics to the company about five years ago. And that allowed me to step away from the day-to-day operations in my practice, um, taking all the things I had learned as a physical franchisee. And now I teach the rest of our franchisees the same thing. We were able to successfully pull through all the systems and processes and add balance and fall prevention to our clinics um, prior to selling them back to the company. And so I was tapped uh, to be the one to go out and make sure that the rest of our franchisees were able to do the same. And so you quite literally
0: bought in to physical, like you said, yeah. here, I'm going to buy in, I'm going to sell my, you, you know, your clinics and say like, I'm, I mean, this is the, that's the only way to really say you're all in is you
1: quite literally push the chips to the middle of the table. Yeah. All in, uh, definitely push the chips in. And it really allowed me the opportunity to work with other private practice owners. I've been a big, uh, advocate for the profession for my entire career. And, and seeing other private practice owners struggle, um, And then being able to help them turn those practices around, uh, not only does it allow them to own and operate great businesses, but it obviously provides great opportunity for our patients and and clients as well. All right. So in your role uh, as president of operations, you've got to know
0: things that I talked about in the top of the show, which is like, what what? what is coming down the line a mile ahead? What's 10 miles? What's 100 miles? You've got to know because a little bit of a course correction that now could actually help you out a hundred miles uh, down the road. So this yeah, Medicare try- final rule, right? Right. What What's coming down the line? What, 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 what are you sharing? What do people out there, what does the audience need to know about
1: it? So we, before we got to know about it, we got to know what it is. Right. And so, as you said, it's something we, we prepare for, we try to stay a couple of years ahead of the curve because these things are never, are not, not usually thrown at us at the end of the game, but they're preparing for the the proposed cuts or the pending cuts that might come to come to play one, two years down the road. So that if we're going to ask all of our franchisees, our practice owners, independently owned and operated facilities to run their businesses on a budget and uh, create some sophisticated processes, there's things we need to know, like how much reimbursement are we going to have for each visit that we see? And And so uh, what, what happens in the proposed rule um, is really pertinent to that discussion. And so we try to stay ahead of the game. So from, from, for this year, if we're looking at uh, what's happening in 2022, we really step back to 2020, uh, which was obviously the COVID year, but we, in 2020, in the proposed rule, typically the proposed rule comes out sometime September. And then there's a comment period that, you know, CMS allows comments and, everybody can kind of file their complaints as to what is pending. And then the rule goes final sometime early November. um, and then January of the following year is when that final rule takes effect. So in 2020 physical therapy, along with 38 other providers were facing, uh, what was proposed to be somewhere between a seven to 9% cut, just kind of a flat cut to the conversion factor, which is part of the way that we're paid, um, in physical therapy. Um, to the conversion factor that was going to reduce our reimbursement per visit. In December of 2020, Congress dumped about $3 billion into the Medicare program, which allowed that 9% cut that proposed 9% cut to be reduced to what ended up being about a three and a half percent cut, across the board. So what we're facing this year, or we were facing in the, in the proposed rule in 2021, was the rest of that cut. And and so that was on the table to happen unless Congress took action. So this has to happen because they were adding money to the pot to pay internal medicine doctors more. And so 38 other providers were to going to, cut. yeah, they're going to experience a cut because the Medicare budget has to be balanced every year. And so we're trying to keep on top of all of this and help our franchisees, practice owners figure out, you know, what it's, what effect is this going to have on your reimbursement per visit in the, in the following year so that we can budget for it and plan for it, prepare for it. In December, uh, a Senate bill, it's called the Protecting Medicare and American Farmers from Sequester Act, uh, was signed into law. So this is a mitigating factor. So as of January 1, uh, instead of what we were looking at, about a 3.75% cut, it's going to be somewhere closer to 0.75, 0.8%. So that's good. Um, that's helpful. It kicks the can down the road for another year anyway, right. as they add more money into uh, the pot. Uh, those cuts uh, are mitigated to some extent. We were able to do that through action, political action committees. And really it's because we had 38 other providers who are also going to be affected. Right. Uh, lots of voices in Congress trying to get this changed. And obviously with the stresses that are already on us with covid um there was some empathy i guess in congress to allow us to uh, <laughs> they, they had mercy not, at least that's a mercy buddy.
0: so originally proposed at seven to nine it was knocked right. down to, to to three and change and now it's below one but and people would say well the, you know we don't even worry about this anymore but any cut keep in mind is you're not adding anything right so right. A cut is is never a good thing, but what you're saying is you're you're paying attention, and you mentioned in the beginning. This is you've got to do things like that we don't get taught necessarily in a PT school, which is forecasting, preparing for things down the line. Hope's not a plan. Hoping this is going to get better right.
1: is not a plan. So you got to put yourself in good positions. Absolutely, and that's you know, it's a cut and. You know, the fact is there hasn't been a raise and there won't be right. a raise because of some other factors for at least the next five years with with MIPS, which I think we'll talk about in a little bit. The other thing that we are going to experience this year is a, a, the moratorium on what on the sequester uh, cut is also expiring. All right. So what's so, that again? I've heard. I've so heard this, Swiss, yeah. Right. So back in 2011, to balance the budget, Congress cut our payments um, by 2%. So that's been in place since 2011. Under COVID, they put a moratorium on that cut and it's happened in March or so of 2020. Well, that moratorium was set to expire on January 1. What this act, the Senate bill did was um, instead of expiring on January 1, they're gonna ramp it slowly. So I believe it's in April after quarter one, we're going to see a return of 1% of that cut. So now we go from a 0.75 to a 1.75. 1.75. And it's going to go another point up as well when that is, then it's going to go another point up in uh, June or in July uh, after the end of quarter two. Right. And so we're going to be looking at a full 2.75% cut for the second half of the year. So then you have to to do the math and figure out how that's going to impact your overall budget. Um, you know, kind of amortizing those cuts.
0: If you're a private practice owner, there are things that we don't get taught in PT school. Unless you were a business owner before, you might not know about this. You've got to pay things that are overhead. Those overhead costs are not going down. Typically, they're going up and staffing and insurance, as we're talking about here, and and, and payment and everything. You've got to make sure that, yeah, I I get it. You know, this beer going up 2%, I'm probably still going to buy it. I'm probably still going to drink it. But when we're talking about really big numbers a one, a two and change percent cut can really affect it, especially when you get into larger clinic groups. Or even if you're a single, if you're a single uh, provider, 2%, that's a hit.
1: Yeah. And and that's one of the reasons I was excited to come on is that it's really something that not only practice owners should be paying attention to, but you know the entire profession. and And I don't think that enough non-owner physical therapists really pay attention to what's happening in congress right. because at the end of the day it trickles down to our salaries right and our opportunity right. because you can't continue to give somebody a raise of three to five percent every year if your reimbursement is being cut every year right. or flat mm-hmm. even if it's flat and so um we do have a chance to to take action against these types of things but being aware of how it will affect you down the road is really important
0: so that's why the graphic for this episode was don't look up, because you also should watch that show on Nef- uh, that movie on Netflix. It was fantastic. You can't be doing that. You can't just say don't look up or it's in Congress. I don't know. I work on Main Street, whatever they do in Congress. it just feels so far away from me. You can't not look or pay attention to the asteroid. Right. In the movie. Right. Real big tongue in cheek. What they're saying is if you know it's coming, and we all learn this from G.I. Joe, right? What's half the battle? Knowing's half the battle, right? Okay, right. there is an asteroid. There is a cut coming. Okay, that's half the battle. But now you got to do something about it. So, Rick, right. you just very well, without, the, without the, uh, the constraints of a bad game of telephone, let us know what is actually coming towards us or what we right. know right now to be coming towards us. What are some things now that we know that can we do about it to prepare – How can we mitigate or try to minimize? You're never going to get rid of these cuts, but what can we do? How can we move some of the chess pieces around
1: on our own boards and our own careers to help uh, soften the blow of this asteroid? Yeah. So one of the things that we'll work with our franchise owners on is, so this is your Medicare fee schedule. In some States, Medicare might be your best payer. Florida, for example, in most instances, Medicare is our best payer. It's also our highest percentage of payer, um, you know, with across most of our clinics in Florida, because of the snowbird population and and, uh, the elderly population. And so we're 75, 80% Medicare. So we have to budget based on what's happening with Medicare. One of the strategies can be and should be to try to diversify your revenue streams. And so maybe you're working more towards trying to get some occupational medicine into your facility, or you're gonna go more cash-based with some of the insurance companies that you're gonna be out of network with instead of in network with. Um, maybe you're gonna go after some auto or work comp. So you can work on diversifying your revenue streams. Um, but but also it's really about managing your schedule and planning based on that reimbursement per visit. If I wanna see 10% growth in my clinic this year, and I know I'm gonna be facing at the end of the day, what's gonna probably average out to be a 1.25% cut over the course of the year, I've gotta figure out how I'm gonna grow 10. point you know 11.25% versus right. 10. and and so that's how we'll work on on trying to mitigate the effects.
0: Probably a good exercise, right? Again that Netflix movie Don't Look Up showed it, you know, you there was someone looking at a telescope up into the sky. You should re- this is a good exercise, right? Like so let's let's see if we can find a positive in this. Where's your silver lining? Um paying attention. How can we diversify? You just you just listed a couple different ways, but if you've been thinking about it sometimes you know no pressure no diamonds sometimes when, when you're not given a reason to do it you don't do it right and sometimes you can get a little comfortable and i'm not, I'm not trying to say that a, a cut is ever a good thing but maybe it's maybe it spurs people to action just a little bit
1: yeah and then you know even worse is that you don't realize the cuts have happened um, because you haven't been in, engaged in and in, in involved in the process and then you realize, uh, you know, after you're looking at your monthly p ls that all of a sudden you're not generating as much revenue as you anticipated um, because you're getting paid less this year than you were the year before. Yeah. So, you know, part of my role is to make sure that everybody knows and everybody's prepared and they've created a, a strategy to try to mitigate the, the effects. Yeah. Planning.
0: Failure plan is planning to fail, right? Isn't that what uh, right. Coach Wood used to teach us as well? All right, so now we know at least what's happening, right? I think I think if, if people stop right now and stop listening, at least they're forewarned as forearmed. Right. Um, so now that we understand what's expected over the next couple of years, um, well, talk about that PTA differentiator, the, the financial impact relating to reimbursement. You've got to have cost of labor. This is where physical therapist assistants, our colleagues in this profession, um, see their name and their the, the title of their profession come up a lot. And I'll be honest, they're 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 panicking and having this reaction. I would do right. They keep singling, they're being singled out. So, give us the thirty thousand foot on how PTAs are specifically involved in the situation.
1: So this is also in effect as of January one, and and over the last two years, Medicare has been preparing us for this, and they've also been analyzing our data. So we've been applying a modifier to all of our bills for the codes that the PTA participates in. A CQ modifier goes on every on every code, every charge uh, where a PTA, a PT assistant, has participated in more than eight minutes of that particular code. And so we've been tracking that data for the last two years, but this year is when they are going to apply a 15% cut to that payment for that particular code that has the CQ modifier on it. And so, so that's in effect as of today. There is an opportunity with Congress coming back in session now at, in the new year, uh, there's a, a bill on the table called the SMART Act that would, uh, there's really three main effects of this act. If, if it passes, and it does have some uh, bipartisan support in Congress, again, for some of the reasons we mentioned before, but if this bill passes, there's three different things on the table. Number one would be to kick the can down the road and to push this off into 2023. Right, Patient access to care, uh, the pandemic, all of these other things. Why are we going to stress out physical therapy practices more uh, this year than they're already stressed out? Right. some big points right there. The pandemic feels like a a strong reason. Mm -hmm. The second thing that it might do if this bill passes would be uh, to exempt clinics that are in rural markets with the thought process being it's harder to hire physical therapists in these markets and patients aren't going to be able to access care because there's not going to be enough PTs to go around. And so then the third piece of it would be that in the outpatient setting for physical therapy, as you know, for me, for a physical therapist assistant to work in a facility, there has to be a PT with direct supervision. So when you're talking about doing this 15% differentiator, if the PT has to be there, then why is the differentiator in place? So the, the other piece of this SMART Act would be to reduce that supervision requirement to um, either general supervision or audiovisual supervision, something that doesn't require the presence of the PT. Uh, that would be good, that would be a big step forward. I think if that direct supervision requirement were removed, obviously PTAs can work under general supervision in many other settings, it's only the outpatient setting that they can't. Um, so that, those three things are on the table. Um, I don't, you know, I don't know how likely this is to pass. Um, And if it does pass, how is Medicare then going to go either back and pay for, (laughs) is it going to be, is it going to be retroactive? Are they going to start it on April 1st? Whatever it may be. So those are things that we still have to pay attention to. Obviously, the more voices that we have in Congress to try to help get this SMART Act passed, the better. So we have our, all of our um, not only our owners and their staff um, reaching out through the APTA political action committee and, and sending comments and asking for support of the SMART Act, but also patients uh, and colleagues and so on. Um, you know, when we do that, we have to speak to how it affects a patient access to care and not how it's going to affect my bottom line and my, my pocketbook. Cause they don't 100%. care about that. Yeah. We talk about access to care and um, and that's how we have an opportunity to get this thing moved forward.
0: Yeah. And this goes to the communications point of, of my heart, which is, you know, going in there to get someone to do something for you uh, feels a little self-serving, right? But if you paint the picture of a person in your constituency, and now we're talking the the politician's jargon, you're talking their language, that's knowing your audience, what's important to them. At the end of the day, we're still talking about the same thing. But you're talking about it differently. You're framing it in the, in the in the context of a human being or a community. You mentioned rural communities. What will this do to care in rural communities where they're already uh, strapped right now? Uh, I didn't want to go go much past uh, the, the physical therapist assistant community right now. We were just talking about, Rick, you told me like 1%, 2%, 3 and change is a lot. And when PTAs start hearing things like with numbers like 15, man, you just told me three was bad of course, they're going to be uh, uh, concerned. You know, you, c- you can't blame those, those physical therapist assistants for not for being very, very concerned. Of course, those numbers are large.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, it's one of the reasons that I would encourage everyone to be engaged and make sure they understand what's happening um, every year between the APTA and Congress and the MedPAC, which is the Medicare Payment Advisory uh, Committee. And, and, my understanding is that this fifteen percent PTA differential was kind of thrust on us um, in replace of the Medicare cap on on right. patient services. And so is that a good exchange? Is that something maybe we should have had deeper discussion about? Um, right. i think I think that <laughs> as you start to look at how this is going to affect your ability to you know keep your doors open and and maintain uh your growth and consistency, I think, uh, that would be a discussion that we might want to have over again
0: Th- this is another example I know a lot of physical therapist assistants uh uh brought this up which was hey listen we we saved one thing over here but we lost so we saved one percent two percent three percent went from nine down to two but we lost fi- how, we're just losing 15 so they felt like they were they were specifically being singled out which right. you can't blame them for because their names on it right specifically right. targeting them um a lot of people. And this is just me kind of watching the 30,000 foot view. Cause that's what I do. I'm the, I'm a known as a guy who talks a lot, Rick, but I do a lot of looking and reading and listening too. um, a lot of people were saying, well, why would I ever need APTA? Why would I ever need my, that PT pack? Um, I would actually say that that's a big reason why you do, because that's your, that's your voice in the arena that maybe you're not in, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, um, people in Congress, and in the Senate, they're not in the PTA Facebook group that you're in. They have no idea how mad you are. In fact, they don't care how mad you are in that context. So I would actually say that that, that is actually proof of concept and why those organizations need to exist and why you should support them. But I got to go back to um, PTAs being concerned when they see their name next to a 15% cut. Uh, I, f- I feel that. I mean, I, right. I, I would say I completely understand that. Um, next thing I want to bring up, you alluded to it before, We've heard this term come up a lot in the last couple of years. I feel like it's died down or I haven't been talking about it a lot, which is MIPS. Uh-huh. So MIPS, like break it down for us. First, yeah. what is it again? Give a refresher because I haven't talked about it in a bit. And then how can we use it as an opportunity? How can we use this as a, as maybe a door to move away for uh, from fee from service?
1: So MIPS is a merit-based incentive payment system. And for physical therapists, it's been in place since 2019. We've been eligible to report on MIPS. And it all came from legislation that started in 2015. It was macro legislation, Medicare access chip reauthorization act of 2015, where it was supposed to move away from a fee for service system that rewarded volume or volume over value, and instead start to pay us for value over volume. And to do that, they had to collect data. And what, when you start saying this to the physical therapy community, they, they Things like functional limitation reporting and PQRS, FLR and PQRS, these things, like we did this already. We gathered all this data and then you just threw it away and you didn't utilize it. And so it's frustrating. It does create another administrative burden, obviously, for us. And then the EMR systems all have to adapt and align. But the merit-based incentive payment system is designed to eventually take us away from the fee-for-service. And I think it's a good thing in the long run. Um, The way that it's been implemented has been kind of a slow roll Medicare has gradually rolled this out. And that, in a way, has also disincentivized people from participating because the opportunity for bonus payments um, basically. So what MIPS does is it takes all of you're 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 reporting a bunch of different factors um, and it all is tied into your EMR. And so you're checking the right boxes on the EMR system. And then you're also doing some outcomes measures or improvement measures that you're tracking your, 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 your improvement over a 90-day period for several different things. Um, but at the end of the day, you're getting a score. And they, you have to meet a minimum threshold to have an opportunity for a bonus payment. And if you don't hit that minimum threshold, you're subject to a penalty.
0: Penalties, and right.
1: so to date, to this point, Medicare has made it relatively easy. Um, to score well there's also a fairly small pool of people who are required to participate but that's all starting to change and so as we move through 20, 2019 2020 2021 really the the maximum bonuses that anybody has seen is somewhere less than two percent people are still seeing bonuses but is it worth all of the administrative burden that it takes it's to get the juice, it worth the squeeze, right. the juice worth the squeeze right juice worth the squeeze so that's up into date. And then a couple of other things. 2020, if you went through the year of 2020, and you collected MIPS data, and you were required to participate, but you didn't do well, for whatever reason, they gave you an out in 2021, because you could say, hey, COVID messed me up, and I, I'm not going to report. And so you got flat. So what that meant is that even people that did really, really well, didn't get much of a bonus, because anybody who scored poorly could opt out and therefore nobody got penalized. If nobody gets penalized in this system, then nobody gets rewarded either. So that again is happening in 2022. So everybody that reported in 2021, there's another opt out opportunity in March of 2022, again, due to COVID, which I think is a good thing overall. But again, it reduces the opportunity as well. What is happening as we go through 2022 and 2023 is that more and more people are becoming required to report so the pool is going to get bigger right and the threshold is increasing annually and so scoring well is going to be more challenging got it and they're also moving uh to scoring and opportunity and and penalty based on the median and the mean scores and so you're going to have half the profession who scores poorly and then half this profession who scores well and the medicare actuaries are actually predicting that They are going to be paying up to 14% bonus for those that score very, very well in the years 2022, 2023. Now you have to remember, if you report in 2022, you're not going to see that bonus until 2024 on your your payment. Um, And it's carried by individual MPI as well. So that's another thing that, you know, a staff level PT really needs to be aware of. If they're in a group that's reporting, you get the score of the highest performer in that group. But everybody carries that score with them on their NPI. So if you go leave clinics and you've you've got a, a negative uh, penalty on your NPI number, that new practice that you go work for is going to see a reduction in payment for you, where somebody else is going to get a, an increased payment.
0: Hold on a second. Go back to that. So the, all right. So so explain to me how the NPI number is is taken into to account. If I if I work for Jimmy's PT clinic and we did poorly, that that clinic score is tied to my NPI number?
1: Each individual, all of it's based on your NPI, right? So everybody's reporting, whether you're reporting as an individual or a group, got it. you're going to score based on NPI. So and i so,
0: my own score. So I'm my own skater. Got it. Okay.
1: But you're going to carry that score with you on your NPI, regardless of where you work. And so the, payment bonus or penalty is going to be based on the highest performer in that group. Let's say you work with a group of 10 other therapists, the highest is yeah. going to be the one that gets carried through.
0: Explain what explain that part. What does that mean? So if, all right, let's say I work for a really good clinic where right. we'll just do it out of 100. Because that's good. I'm a 91. But the best guy on my team's
1: a 98. So my understanding as of today is that that score that 98 score would be the one that everybody every NPI would be subject to in that clinic. In terms of subject to, oh, for grading for that year. Yes. Got it. Okay, so now I leave and I take my 91
0: somewhere else at a poor clinic. Let's say the best person at that clinic was an 85. I just helped that 85 clinic out because I'm a 91 now. Correct. Got it. Okay. I did not know that. I, I knew nothing about
1: that. Yeah. No one ever talked about that. So that's the piece that, you know, when you're thinking about this, and if you're a PT that doesn't follow this and you're not really paying attention to what your clinic is doing in terms of, you know, applying these um, reporting mechanisms, right, you want to make sure that you've got the systems and processes in place t- to score well, because that's something that your MPI carries with you.
0: This like, oh man, I hate this. But this this really <laughs> shows like, like why we have to pay attention when we document. I mean, I always knew that but like, you want to make sure you're inputting information correctly, because you might be doing something really well. But if you're not inputting the information correctly, you might be negatively Im- impacted in terms of your score. And again, that follows you,
1: right. And it's, you know, you know, we all know how these things work. PQRS, FLR is the same thing. You're checking boxes on your, on your EMR system. And so you want to make sure as a clinician in that facility, that the processes are in place. If you're going to participate, you know, if you're required, obviously you've got to do that. But if, if you're just participating because you're eligible, you want right. to make sure that you do it
0: well. Well, especially there, right. If you're opting into a game and you're not playing it well, well, that's a bad move. If you're required, listen, I mean, prepare your team as best as you're going to be, Graded, right? right? But if you're opting in and you're not playing well, well that's on you as a, as a, right. a I mean, just as that's just, that's putting your head in the sand.
1: And this is Medicare, you know, offering us kind of a risk opportunity. And so there is risk associated with participating.
0: But you're saying, even the Medicare actuaries are saying you're going to see some benefits, some rewards up to 14%. I just mentioned three and four cut, three to four uh, percent cuts, not good, 14% uh, reward. Now we're starting to see a, re- a reason, the juice worth the squeeze, if you're playing the game right, and that's that's where this is how we got on this topic, right? Which is diversifier or, or play a better game, then, right? right? And the cool part about this game is it's rewarding PTs for doing for being a good PT, right? I mean, the right. old I remember in PT school being exp- having this explained to me. Where it was, well, if I'm a poor PT, if it takes me 20 visits to get someone better and it takes you 10, I'm a crappier PT because it took me twice as long. But I actually just got paid twice as much. And I was like, oh, my God, that is the opposite of how you want to be rewarded. Like, (laughs) who would want to go to that PT? Um, But now we're saying, all right, maybe the game is not perfect. And I got bad news for it. It's never going to be perfect. But maybe we're maybe there's some things in it that are trending in
1: the right direction. and it's also not going to go away i mean correct if we we were to continue on the fee-for-service system that we're on now medicare becomes insolvent in 2024 and so they are going to change the way that they pay providers in all fields Um, the physician groups have been dealing with mips for longer than we have obviously Um, we're kind of happy to be allowed at the table now because at first we weren't eligible to participate and so I think we should embrace the move away from fee for service. Nobody likes to count the minutes of time that they spend no. with their patients, and, no. and uh, this this eight minute rule and all these other things. And I think eventually we can get there. Um, you know, obviously we've been through this before, as I said, with with uh, the functional limitation report and PQRS, right. and and it can be frustrating that that data and the administrative burden uh, never amounted to anything, but. Um, it is moving in this direction. We're going to move away from fee for service. We should embrace value over volume, I really feel. Um, and it really is all about being engaged, understanding what's happening, um, and then a lot of education and training.
0: I mean, if those aren't key takeaways right there, right? Know how you're being graded, right? I mean, I had a great uh, sales director who used to say, like, listen, if you're playing ice hockey, but you're getting graded on figure skating, right. you're going to lose. Like, I don't care how good of a hockey player you are, you're getting, you're getting graded on triple lutzes. So, Knowing this environment, I know you didn't go to school for it. I know you might not be so interested in what's going on in policy and Congress and advocacy, uh, but you, you need to pay attention, or or you better hire someone, or pay someone, or be friends with someone who's who's paying attention, or listen to a podcast where they talk about it. Once. <laughs> exactly. Well, I don't know. That's just me. Um, and then and then act and react accordingly. Um, my rule is, you know, if something comes down the line, if you're going to give me a cut or whatever. Uh, you can bitch and complain and be sour for 24 hours. Then you got to put your pants back on. and You got to go do something about it. So you can go in your Facebook group and you can bitch bone and that's going to do nothing except fire up the rest of a tribe, but like maybe collaborate and find some people who are paying attention to this down the road. Got to feel good to know that you're kind of, you're the guy, you're the guy looking at the telescope for everybody, you know, within physical. And you're saying, okay, I am paying attention to this thing and I am understanding how this will affect me gotta feel good to know that you're kind of guiding and helping and making sure people know what's coming down the road
1: yeah I mean I have a responsibility to our franchisees and 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 their teams to make sure that we're staying on top of these things and and nothing highlighted that more than what was happening with COVID and you know you go through trying to help everybody get their PPP loans and manage their their, you know you know their their entire teams and as a practice owner all of our franchisees felt responsible for their teams and what was going to happen and so you know, the information um, and the dissemination of the information accurate information is is hugely important
0: Well this is a good this is a good uh, microcasm or a good case study when people would say you know I want autonomy I, I I have my own practice why would I want to join I don't want to be a franchisee I don't want to be part of many I want control and a lot of times like there's there's your telephone answer right there's your tel- it's, well it's actually it's actually not like that. It's actually something different. And what you get, you know, one little example is you get a guy like Rick, who's like, I'm going to be paying attention to the telescope to look for asteroids. What am I doing? You're treating patients. What what do you want to do in your clinic? Do you want to be treating patients? Do you want to be overseeing your staff? Because you know, you got to do all the things, right? But if you can, if you can join a team, or if you can become one of many, And now, you know, you got a Rick looking through the telescope, watching for asteroids. You go, okay, that's covered. Cool. Okay. That frees me up. I got some bandwidth now. Now I can do something else to help me expand my practice. I think that's a good example of why physical is a benefit.
1: I always tell our franchise owners, I don't have any authority over how you manage your practice other than, you know, making sure that you're doing things legally, ethically and morally. But I, I try to manage by persuasion. So you know, we try to present best evidence and present all the accurate information and say, look, this is what's been successful elsewhere. Um, this is the model you should follow. And, and, uh, obviously I've got a great team that also helps me to just, and supports all of that.
0: And what's the, what's the number again? How many people
1: are, are, are within like the physical family? Like it, it was a, it was more than I thought that we talked about it last episode. So we have 443 active locations today. 54 of those are company owned stores. The rest are franchisees. Uh, that is, Equates to about 249 unique ownership entities. Um, so we're averaging about 1.7 units per per owner. Wow. I like to say uh, my my
0: line, which we should get another uh, another pint glass. Is I make suggestions, you make decisions. It sounds like that's what you're saying. Like, listen, I'm making sure I'm going to make suggestions based on what I've seen, and you get to see it from a a pretty a pretty high vantage point in terms of macro view across a large. Um, swath of the profession. I make suggestions, but ultimately you make decisions. I'm just gonna give you the best evidence, but you're gonna make those decisions.
1: Yeah. And I'm I'm a physical therapist. I started my own practice um and learned, made a lot of mistakes on my own. Uh, <laughs> became a franchisee and really learned how to apply business systems and principles uh to the operation of a physical therapy center. And now I can help you avoid the mistakes that I made for, for 14 years on my I, own.
0: I love um when the organization is run by the type of person that is in the organization, like, for example, like, like you, like you're a physical therapist, a physical therapist coming in doesn't even that guy, Rick, he's a business guy, he doesn't understand what it's like to, to treat a patient. And you're like, well, actually, yeah. I, I I started there. And I was talking with Jamie Schreier he's a friend. And he always says the same thing. He's like, man, my clinic literally quite literally burned to the ground. He's like, I made every mistake I could, including Accidentally burning the clinic to the ground. He's like, and now you get to benefit from learning from how I screwed it up and how you can avoid that. So, it's uh, it's just good to see when when people get together and they're like minded and what you guys can uh, can accomplish there. So, uh, thanks for setting the record straight. Now I'm gonna make sure I go and share this episode in those Facebook groups that I saw people kind of having those uh, telephone games and those knee jerk uh, reactions um got a tradition on the show rick it's called three questions are you ready to play three questions absolutely let's do it all right three questions brought to you by our friends from physical therapy and balance centers created by pts like rick especially for pts like you in private practice and on average i love this stat a private practice who joins the physical network grows more than 40 percent Who who would say "Eh, 40%, not that big a deal. 40%. Uh, So if you're ready to discover how the largest network of uh, PT private practice owners are growing and adapting to industry changes, visit physicalfranchise.com. That's physicalfranchise.com. F-Y-Z-I-C-A-L, franchise.com. All right, Rick, uh, first question in three question is a where question. I know you're in Florida right now and you're rubbing it in, how warm it is, whatever. Uh, But I always like to find this out, like the little nooks and crannies in the world. Where's somewhere that you love to go? Maybe he's off the beaten path. People haven't heard about it, um, that
1: you can suggest for someone's next excursion, vacation, whatever. So, um, you know, as I said, it's 70 degrees here in Sarasota. It's getting a little cold for me here. So uh, yeah, yeah. this time of year, I would love to be down in the Florida Keys on a cell. Oh yeah. That's my, that's my spot. That's a good um, spot. Yeah. That's a good spot.
0: Yeah, rub it in. 25 degrees currently in upstate New York. Second question is a, a what question. This just helps. I love when people talk about things they do outside of their per, their professional life, like books, movies, podcasts. So what is something that you have read or watched or listened to, a book, a movie, podcast? Just something you like, yeah, I get value from this. That's, I spent my time on it that you'd share.
1: Yeah, so this one really hits for, especially for physical therapists, because this uh, individual's journey uh, included quite a bit of physical therapy. And Inky Johnson is a a great motivational speaker. We had him as a keynote speaker at one of our uh, brand events we call brand triumph where all of our owners get together. Um, And Inky uh, was a a safety at the University of Tennessee football player. He was gonna be a first round draft pick, had this brachial plexus injury. during a game against the Air Force, you know, last quarter of the game, and uh, almost lost his life, but lost the use of one of his arms, and wow. and he's taken that and turned it into just this great motivational career. And one of the things he always says that I, I have up on our, our chalkboard on it in my apartment here in Sarasota is, control the controllables. You know, manage what you can manage. You know, control what you have control over things like pride and emotion and spirit and strength and those types of things. Um, and, and don't let the things that you don't have control over uh, drive you crazy. Yeah.
0: And I mean, I'll tell you, that's just a mindset shift, which is again, sort of what I talk. I love when like the themes kind of recur in an episode and you're not even planning about it, which is a lot of people are seeing words cuts and seeing percentages, and seeing numbers and seeing the name of your profession uh, flashed across the screen somewhere. How, can What can you control? Well, you can advocate, you can differentiate, you can diversify, you can plan ahead, you can you can don't look up, or you can look up and then control the right. controllable. So I like that. Uh, last question on three questions is a who
1: question. Who is someone the audience should know more about? So um, Daryl Travis, okay. uh, he is the founder of a company called Brand Trust in Chicago. I saw Juliet's from Chicago. Um, it's a company that looks at the consumer experience. He calls it behavioral economics. And so- yeah companies like what 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 in a company drives brand loyalty you know you think about companies like Harley Davidson and and Southwest Airlines and what have they done to drive the, the just crazy brand loyalty that they have and and I think as physical therapists you know if we want a patient to become a raving fan to become somebody that you know considers us as individuals every time they need a physical therapist how do we create that loyalty kind of looking at the behavioral economics and what drives somebody to be loyal to a specific brand and not only that but daryl's just an amazing guy um uh, he's written a book called big things or little things big returns oh yes Um, yes that sounds familiar that's right and uh just just a great book and he's a great he's on our board of directors and and every time daryl's in town i i have an opportunity to try to pick his brain
0: i just had a conversation with a colleague who lives in new york city and gets food delivered from whole foods and if you've ever been to whole foods she's paying a little more for that You know, head of lettuce than the average person because she expects something. She has got that brand loyalty. And she had an experience today where uh, they usually they're supposed to bring the food all the way to her door. Well, they just dropped at the front door on the street in New York City and they buzzed and they bailed. And she was like, I don't know why, but I'm like, like, am I being a prima donna? And I literally was talking about this. I was like, no, you had an expectation, which was here because you're like, I know I'm going to pay more but this is what I want. I want this. And I'm like, you expected this and you got this. You are left with that difference between expectation and reality. And that's going to affect your emotions. She's like, I don't know why I'm being so emotional about this. I'm like, well, it's pandemic and you're in healthcare. And (laughs) now you got one more thing, but you expected whole foods to deliver something. You're like to to you, their high level is the basement. That's like, that's like the, the, that's the, 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 the status quo. And you didn't get that. And for you, there we hate humans, hate incongruities. There is an incongruity there, right? If you had a Harley Davidson that didn't perform and the customer service guy was a jerk, that doesn't make any sense. Because to me, Harley's Harley, man. They're they're the brand standard. So it's I sound thing. right. Got to sound right. It's got feel right. I bought a, uh, you know, a whatever whatever color Harley would never make or whatever model. I bought one of those. Like that doesn't make any sense. But applying those principles to your clinical practice or your business, like woof. Like, pay, like figuring out your, your reverse engineering. Well, what does make Harley? How, how did the Grateful Dead become this act that really sold? They didn't, they weren't on radio, but they sold a gajillion tickets. How'd they do that? Like figuring that out from a psychological standpoint. Cause again, all your patients, their brains, they have brains and they have, they're big, dumb animals. We're all big, dumb animals. How'd they do that? So again, not something we really get taught in PT school, but man, could that make a difference in your career? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good, who, right there. All right. Last thing we do on the show is called the Parting Shot. All right. Parting Shot is brought to you by our friends from the Academy of Orthopedic Physical Therapy. Find them online at orthopt.org. The leaders in orthopedic practice, largest, uh, largest academy in the APTA. They've got current concepts of orthopedic PT, the fifth edition out right now. All right. Upper quarter, lower quarter, or you can go the whole body. I'd like to know the whole body. So maybe you do that one, but uh, available now along, we're going to be doing a, uh, a low back pain. But We're reviewing their low back pain CPG coming up tomorrow. So listen, if you're an orthopedic physical therapist, you want to belong to the Academy of Orthopedic PT check out their current concepts, uh, independent study course out right now. So Rick, parting shot, your last chance for just a mic drop moment, a sentiment, something you want to leave with the audience
1: as we wrap up the episode. The floor is yours, my friend. Yeah. So 2016, I went to a lecture um, by Paul Potter. He's a physical therapist. He's a consultant for the profession. He called for physical therapists to be entrepreneurial. And his quote, and I'll paraphrase a bit, wrong assumptions about healthcare economics and a bias against for-profit therapy businesses have caused our profession to lag behind the entrepreneurial revolution that's created a business uh, that's created a ruckus in the business world and i that's that's my mic drop we need to be entrepreneurial we need to catch up with the ruckus
0: yeah pay attention right understanding right do we we said that the graphic for this episode was don't look up understand like make sure you're not burying your head in the sand and avoiding it understanding which way the wind blows and how gravity works in your world and then figure out a way to be able to navigate that for personal professional and community gain when all those things align uh we all win uh rick again thanks so much for for helping to support the show with physical Uh, excited to have you guys as a sponsor appreciate some, you know Making good information, sharing good quality information, making it well-known and easy to understand. So uh, again, check out physicalfranchise.com. They say the best conversations happen at happy hour. Uh, thanks for coming to
1: ours, Rick. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed it. Follow us online. Welcome to the internet, my friend. How can I help you?
0: Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at PT Pinecast. The show today is brought to you by the Brooks Institute of Higher Learning, an innovator in providing advanced, post-professional education the brooks ihl offers seven on-site pt residencies including orthopedics women's health geriatrics pediatrics sports and neurology The PT Pinecast is a product of PT Pinecast LLC. It is hosted and produced by PT Pinecast CEO Jim McKay and CBO Sky Donovan from Marymount University. We talk PT, drink beer, and record it. This has been another pour from the PT Pinecast. The PT Pinecast is intended for educational purposes only. No clinical decision-making should be based solely on one source. While care is taken to ensure accuracy, factual errors can be
1: present. More on the show at ptpinecast.com.